This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tonight, a desperate search for survivors. The frantic rescue operation underway and the stunning new images from those devastating explosions in Lebanon. A child rescued in the nick of time. The new bride, blown back by the blast. At least one American is dead. The new arrests as we come on the air. Coronavirus checkpoints. New York City saying it will now screen anyone crossing over bridges and through tunnels to prevent the spread of the virus. Plus, the president again demanding schools reopen. Tonight, why students in one school just celebrated by the vice president are now under quarantine. Digging out new details tonight on the deadly toll of tropical storm Isaias and the millions without power. Why it could take days to get the lights back on. Unconventional. Joe Biden says he'll stay close to home when he accepts his party's nomination as President Trump ponders giving his speech from the White House. The dramatic changes coming to this year's campaign. Plus, what the former vice president tells our correspondent about his rival's cognitive test. Urgent health warning. The new alert from the CDC. The polio-like illness affecting children. What parents need to know. Candid revelation, what Michelle Obama just said about how the pandemic is impacting her mental health. And we end tonight with a mentor who wants to start a social and economic revolution, and he's only 15. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. Nora is off tonight. I'm Margaret Brennan. We begin tonight with a frantic search for the missing after those deadly and devastating explosions in Lebanon. The death toll, which is already staggering, is still climbing. At least 137 people have been killed, including at least one American, and as many as 5,000 people were injured. As we come on the air, the Lebanese government has arrested the officials responsible for operating the port. CBS News has learned the explosion may have been fueled by ammonium nitrate stored in a warehouse for six years. These satellite images from before the blast and after show the extent of the destruction. Meantime, here in the U.S., New York City now says it will set up checkpoints at bridges and tunnels, as well as bus and train stations. Those entering from states with large numbers of infections will be required to fill out a health form and quarantine for two weeks. That move comes as confirmed cases in the U.S. have soared above 4.8 million tonight. More than 157,000 have been killed by the virus nationwide. There is a lot of new reporting to get to, and our team of correspondents is covering it all. First, CBS's Charlie Daggett has new details on those twin explosions. Charlie? Margaret, in addition to the U.S. citizen who was killed, the State Department says a number of Americans were injured. They're also trying to track down any other Americans who may have been harmed in this catastrophic explosion. Equipped with little more than manpower and hope, rescuers pulled one man from beneath the rubble after being buried for 16 hours. As new details emerged, today the government ordered the house arrest of port officials who knew about the thousands of tons of ammonium nitrate explosives stored at the port for six years without safety measures. Records show that this Russian-owned cargo ship ran into trouble and pulled into port in 2013. Abandoned, its deadly cargo was transferred to a port warehouse. Small explosions thought to be from a fireworks storage were seen before the massive shockwave that swept through the capital, shattering the peace of a summer's afternoon. A smiling bride posing for pictures on her wedding day. The children watching the fire at the port burn from a window. The domestic worker who risked her own life to save a toddler. Journalist Gada Asharif said she was lucky she was at work. Her home was destroyed. What is the atmosphere like this morning in Beirut? I think everybody is in just immense shock. I think beyond the physical uh, damage, there's the, the mental um mental sort of national trauma that everybody is processing. There is much to process. In addition to the deaths, mass injuries, and widespread destruction, the blast leveled the port, decimated its grain silos in a country that was already facing an economic collapse long before the explosion. Now, yesterday, President Trump says what happened may have been an attack. Today, he said nobody knows. His defense secretary, Mark Esper, said most believe the explosion was an accident. Margaret. Thank you very much. Charlie Daggett in London. Now to the coronavirus pandemic, which in the last 24 hours has claimed the lives of more than 1,000 Americans. Another grim statistic? Florida became the second state to top a half million confirmed cases 
joining California. Meanwhile, the debate over reopening schools is heating up as major school districts announce big changes. Here's CBS's Manuel Bajorquez. The nation's third largest school district, Chicago, announced its more than 350,000 students will begin the school year online. But we also understand the struggle this will be for many of our parents. In Georgia, just two days into the school year, a teacher and 20 students had to be quarantined after a second grader tested positive. In a Mississippi school district, six students have tested positive. 116 students and staff are now quarantined. We have to balance the very real risk of the virus and the lifelong damage of school closures. Florida's St. Lucie Public Schools released a video showing new measures for an August 24th return to class, including requiring masks. Photos reveal few or no masks in districts where they are optional. Miami-area mom Sandy Badeau is keeping her teenage stepson home for online schooling for now. Her nine-month-old is immunocompromised. You teach your child to be the best they can be at following all the precautions, but do you worry about other children who might not? Oh, absolutely. You don't know how, if, how seriously other families are taking it. So it's, it's putting all our family in, in somebody else's hands. The fight over masks led to a woman's arrest in New Jersey today. She's accused of knocking over and breaking the leg of a liver transplant patient who asked her to wear a mask. New York City set up checkpoints along bridges and tunnels, reminding visitors about fines for not following quarantine rules. On the vaccine front, Moderna announced its doses could cost between 32 and $37 for some customers under so-called pandemic pricing. Across the country, nurses protested again, demanding better protection while on the job. The ultimate goal is to get our patients home and to do that in the safest possible way. In yet another prolonged disruption, the cruise industry said it will continue its ban on U.S. voyages through October 31st. And the University of Connecticut said it will cancel its football season due to the virus. Margaret? Manuel Bajorquez in Miami tonight. And a short time ago, President Trump repeated his claim that the coronavirus will, quote, simply go away. He also declared it will be safe to vote at the polls in person in November as his reelection campaign takes one state to court over mail-in voting. CBS's Paula Reed has the latest from the White House. In his push to reopen schools, President Trump made false claims today about how the virus impacts kids. If you look at children, children are almost, and I would almost say definitely, but almost immune from this disease. But Dr. Anthony Fauci has said children can indeed get the virus and spread it. Do children get infected? Yes, they do. Have hundreds of thousands of children been infected? Yes. Last week, Vice President Mike Pence applauded a North Carolina school for reopening with in-person classes. But now, fourth graders there are quarantining after a student tested positive. The president is also claiming that it will be safe enough by November 3rd for seniors to vote in person. So by the time we get there, we'll probably be in very good shape. There is no evidence to support that projection, and it follows his months-long assault on mail-in voting. Last night, the Trump campaign sued the state of Nevada over its plan to send absentee ballots to all active voters. Even if if Nevada wanted to do it well, they wouldn't have enough time. 
I'm sure the post office doesn't have enough time. Nevada State Senator Nicole Cannizzaro, who helped pass the ballot law, said the president is simply afraid he's going to lose. This is an effort to suppress the vote and to delegitimize this election. Tonight, Facebook removed that video we just showed you where the president claims that children are immune to COVID. In a statement, Facebook says that the video violates its policy against harmful misinformation about COVID. Margaret. And Paula, that is an important clarification for concerned parents. Thank you. Turning now to Republican and Democratic conventions, because of COVID-19, they will be unlike any that we've seen. Tonight, we're learning neither candidate will actually attend, but they will accept their nominations remotely. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Joe Biden's decision not to speak from Milwaukee came after consultations with medical officials warning about a spike in coronavirus cases across Wisconsin. Now, Biden, his running mate, and others will speak from their home states over four nights beginning August 17th. Hello, everybody. President Trump already scrapped plans to hold his convention in North Carolina, then Florida, and today said he's now thinking about accepting the GOP nomination from the White House grounds. Certainly one of the alternatives. It's the easiest alternative. I think it's a beautiful alternative. Biden today also brushed off questions raised by Mr. Trump about his mental fitness, telling black and Latino journalists, including CBS's Errol Barnett, that he's never taken a cognitive test. No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are you a junkie? What do you say? Joe Biden led the Recovery Act that saved millions of jobs. His campaign says it's launching the largest presidential TV ad buy ever, with spots airing across 15 battleground states, including Arizona and Texas. As for Biden's running mate, his wife Jill says he's close to making a decision, but an announcement isn't expected until next week. Late today, President Trump also challenged Biden to a fourth debate in early September, around the time many Americans can begin voting early. Biden's already committed to three debates beginning in late September. Margaret. And Ed, today the State Department announced a $10 million uh, reward for information on any actors working with a foreign government to interfere with the campaign or the election. Yet another extraordinary thing about this election season. Thank you. Today, much of the East Coast woke up to the sound of chainsaws and wood chippers one day after Tropical Storm Isaias tore through a dozen states, killing at least nine people. About three million homes and businesses lost power. Getting the lights and the air conditioners back on could take longer than usual because of the pandemic. Here's CBS's Mola Lange. From North Carolina to Maine, the cleanup is underway. Today, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper toured a mobile home park that was destroyed by the storm. It, this is devastating to, to see what looks like, in many cases, homes exploding. In Connecticut, the storm knocked out power to hundreds of thousands of people. Stephanie Convey was inside her home when this 85-foot tree fell on it. I was sitting there reading and... Uh, this huge crash. On the eve of her 82nd birthday, no less, and nearly one year to the day since her husband of 57 years passed away. Was it frightening? No, I, it just because I was so grateful that nothing, you know, nothing serious had happened. Right. And, you know, a house is a house. 
Now, Stephanie planted that little tree right there in her husband's memory about two weeks ago. As you can see, it survived, but just barely. Now, the 70-mile-per-hour winds that did all of this are not common for this area, but 2020 is now shaping up to be the second most active Atlantic hurricane season ever. Forecasters are predicting roughly two dozen more storms this year, Margaret. If we use the word unprecedented one more time to talk about 2020, Mola, it is just incredible, as you say. Tonight, two incidents are putting a spotlight on the use of force by law enforcement on women of color. In one incident, the police chief is apologizing, and the other is forcing the U.S. Secret Service to answer some tough questions. Here's CBS's Jeff Begay's. There's kids. The four kids were ordered to lie face down on the hot asphalt. Two of them were handcuffed, screaming and crying out for their mother, Brittany Gilliam, who had also been stopped at gunpoint by police who thought they were in a stolen car. They weren't. They never should have been put in that situation and they never been, should, should have been treated that way. Chief Vanessa Wilson says the officers followed protocol but should have used better judgment. Have to react to the human element in this and the fact that these kids were traumatized and crying and calling for their mother. We should have stopped that call and done something differently. Gilliam says the August 2nd encounter will stick with her kids. Them kids are not okay. They are never going to be okay. That is a traumatic experience. Meanwhile, here in Washington, D.C., the Secret Service is under scrutiny tonight for its actions last week when a marked cruiser cornered a parked car flagged as stolen. Inside, two African-American mothers and their kids, who did not, of course, fit the description of the two male suspects. Once they knew that there were um, children in the back, they should have been like, guns down, guns down. These are not the two black men that we're looking for. Black women are often targets of police excessive force. Data from 2015 shows that they are three times more likely to have force used against them during a police stop. The Secret Service says it is investigating last week's incident here, and it disputes how some of the incident is being characterized. Meanwhile, in Aurora, the chief there has offered to pay for counseling for those kids involved in that incident there. Margaret. Jeff Pegues in Washington. Thank you. The CDC is warning about a possible outbreak of a life-threatening disease that strikes children. It's called acute flaccid myelitis, or AFM, a rare debilitating disease similar to polio that tends to surface every two years. The CDC warns it is a medical emergency and it requires immediate recognition and care. Symptoms include sudden arm or leg weakness. Today, former First Lady Michelle Obama revealed that the last few months have taken a toll on her mental health. On her podcast, she said she's felt emotional highs and lows and is dealing with what she calls low-grade depression. And she's not alone. A government study found a third of Americans reported anxiety or depression in recent months. Pete Hamill, the famed journalist who first walked into a New York City newsroom in 1960, died today. He covered the world for newspapers and magazines and wrote more than 20 books. In 1968, he helped subdue the gunman who assassinated Robert Kennedy. Pete Hamill was 85 years old. There's a revolution brewing in cyberspace, and its leader isn't even old enough to drive. Here's CBS's Adriana Diaz. 
15-year-old Ian Brock from Chicago spends hours a day online. And not gaming or on social media, he's teaching kids of color how to write computer code. I believe wholeheartedly that computer science is one of the ways that our community will be able to build generational wealth as well as get equality in this country. Through his organization, Dream Hustle Code, he started online coaching when the pandemic hit. While serving up music, fun, Woo, woo, Fortnite. <laughs> Even sure personal development. One thing you want to focus on with your goal is you want to be as specific as possible. He's like a fun mentor. One of his 300 summer students is Riley Hatton in California. Why do you see him also as a mentor? Because he's inspiring. Ian's parents run the nonprofit full time. When you see him giving personal development advice. <laughs> <laughs> He's a 15-year-old. He still have issues with Ian cleaning up his bedroom. But I'm inspired by it because that definitely was not a part of my life at his age. Are you sure you're 15? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm definitely fit. Trust me. 15 years old and out to change the world. Adriana Diaz, CBS News, Chicago. And happy birthday to Ian, who turns 16 tomorrow. And tomorrow on the CBS Evening News, story time with Dr. Connolly. How a family project to tell positive stories about black history is empowering children of color. If you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Margaret Brennan. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Good night. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official T-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.